We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Ready, set, save California. It's sellathon time this Labor Day at your California Ford dealer. Get ready for the best offers of the summer on the 2019 Ford lineup, like an adventure-ready Explorer or the all-new built Ford Tough Ranger. Or get behind the wheel of the 2019 Ford F-150 with the power, toughness, and capability to carry any payload. You've waited all summer for these deals, and the wait is over. So ready, set, save. The Labor Day sellathon is on now, but don't wait. These deals won't last. Hurry into your California Ford dealer before it all ends September third hello everyone and welcome to the october 22nd 2018 edition of the fantasy football report a rotoviz radio news show covering the series and mocking the ridiculous nfl news of the last week brought to you by my bookie I'm Blair Andrews. You can follow me on Twitter at Am I the Real Blair? And my co-host is Hassan Rahim, who you can follow at HRR5010. Hassan, how's it going? It's going well, Blair. Uh, you know, just football happened again. It was Sunday. Uh, had a good time. Uh, unfortunately, I was far too busy today to really uh, sit down and actually enjoy uh, watching some of the games. Uh, but, you know, I'm taking a look at my teams, which is always a bad idea. And, uh, well, let's just put it this way. I made some really bad moves so, eh, what are you going to do, huh? That's right. Just one week. But, yeah, don't look at your teams is a key takeaway here. Um, we have no guest today. It's just going to be Hassan and I uh, giving you our unadulterated takes. No no uh, guest to push back, so you get us at our, at our best. So we'll get right into it. Marcus Mariota completed 24 of 32 passes for 237 yards with a touchdown and an interception in Week 7 against the Chargers. He also added 38 yards on seven rush attempts. So, Hassan, although Mariota's performance was an improvement over how he's played over the last few games, the Titans' offense as a whole has been disappointing. So how do you see this offense faring once they come out of their bye? 
Yeah, I think we talked a little bit about this uh, when Ben Battle was on the pod last week. Uh, the buy low machine, um, you know, kind of indicates that the uh, quarterback uh, for the Tennessee Titans, which is one Marcus Mariota, hopefully, has a kind of a neutral schedule once they come out of the buy. I think it kind of softens up pretty nicely for them. Uh, you, you know, one of the things to actually note is this was one of uh, Mariota's better games. Uh, he, the, the team itself played for... Uh, played pretty well i mean like the like the play calling was kind of suspect uh they succeeded quite a bit when they ran play action and uh, one thing that was actually kind of impressive was how both the backs uh lewis and uh henry kind of uh mixed in uh dion lewis actually saw six targets he got all six for 64 yards he looked very very good um and he only handled uh 13 carries the thing that I wanted to point out here is Tajay Sharp actually seems to be uh, becoming a thing. He's got seven of his nine targets, had 101 yards. Meanwhile, Corey Davis sort of stunk up the joint again. He saw seven targets. He caught three of them for 10 yards. He was just, you know, by and large, kind of a disappointment. He also didn't come down uh, when he was targeted in the end zone uh, in the fourth quarter. He just hasn't been on the same page with Mariota and Really, they kind of need him to step up. I mean, they gave up on Richard Matthews, who clearly Mariota trusts. Uh, Mariota also lost Delaney Walker to IR, another receiver that he trusts. And it seems like he doesn't really have much trust in his current receiving core right now. Uh, You know, with the fact that, you know, Tajay Sharp seems to be be his most trusted guy. Uh, It's going to be interesting to see how this target distribution comes out after the bye. But, you know, it's kind of heartening to see them play a little bit better, especially against a tough uh, division opponent after traveling to London. What do you think? Yeah, I pretty much agree with that. I mean, exactly what you said about Corey Davis, how much of a disappointment he's been. Uh, I was thinking as you were talking, what, like, I don't own him in a ton of leagues. I own him in some dynasty leagues. But I'm wondering, like, if I'm trying to, uh, get, you know, move him off my roster if I don't think that uh, he's maybe going to pan out. What am I hoping to get in return? And I was having trouble kind of coming up with something that would be a, like a fair offer. Do you have any thoughts on that? So I actually moved Corey Davis off the one dynasty roster I have him on. Um, this was right after his blow-up game. I really needed a second running back, so I paired him with uh, Leonard Fournette and paid up uh, for Melvin Gordon. Um and uh, that was kind of a snap uh, accept uh, from the other owner because I was, uh, you know, kind of overpaying for Gordon. Uh, this was a handful of weeks ago. And unfortunately, those are the kind of trades you kind of have to make when you're paying for like in-season production uh, for guys who have completely out- overshot where you thought they were. I mean, it wasn't too long ago where we thought Leonard Fournette and Melvin Gordon were kind of in the same tier. Uh you know, they're really not. Uh, they weren't, if you go look at uh, our ranks uh, on Rotoviz, uh, our dynasty ranks. Um, but, eh, you know, what can you do? And uh, I was just kind of fortunate to, like, leverage those two brand names. And although I might have lost those trades, uh, if you look at any trade calculator, I would say that I think Melvin Gordon's first week after I acquired him, he scored more points than Fournette plus Corey Davis combined over the last seven weeks. So, you know, who's the, <laughs> you know who's winning now, uh, I guess? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so so I think like that's kind of what you want to do. I mean, the issue with Davis right now is, again, people are going to be circling the question marks around him. So I think when you're looking to move him, it's sort of where the hype machine picks up in the offseason if he continues to like do poorly. And I mean, my question here for you was, you've done a lot of work around wide receiver breakouts, and 
is this sort of a bad sign? Uh, just Davis's inability to actually make plays. Uh, you know, is this like a bad sign for Davis's future going forward, or what do you think? Yeah, there are a number of bad signs here. Obviously, I mean, you know, not only do we see that most wide receiver breakouts happen in the in the first two years, so either year one or year two, but also um, it turns out that players who have really bad rookie years, especially in terms of efficiency, often go on to have, you know, disappointing um, disappointing years later and uh, maybe even tend not to break out. So, yeah, there are some kind of strong negative signals in Davis's profile. I mean, obviously he missed several games last year, so he didn't even get to play a full rookie season. So you can kind of give him a little bit of a pass on that one. But, uh, you know, um, Sean Siegel has also done some work showing how how important uh, early declare is for college prospects coming out, uh, people who did not elect to stay for their senior year, which Corey Davis did. So, I mean, when you've got those three signals, which are all pretty strong, or maybe it's only two, but in any case, you've got, you know, not only his this kind of ding on his prospect profile, but also on his his professional profile. Uh, I think you definitely have to start, you know, thinking, you know, maybe he's not uh, as good as he was hyped to be. Maybe he's not uh, quite the quite the fifth overall pick talent that Tennessee thought they were getting. Um, you know, he's someone I loved back uh, during uh, prospect season when he was coming in. Um, you know, just insane market shares. So it's it's hard for me to, you know, to kind of give up on him to say, oh, you know, I was just wrong and he's actually not that good. And I mean, everybody was pretty much wrong. So, yeah, I don't know. It's a tough situation, but nothing that he's done so far in his short career has really inspired much confidence. Yeah, and I'm actually looking at the Bilo machine uh, right here over on Rotoviz, one of our, you know, apps uh signature apps here uh after the bye tennessee wide receivers will face off against dallas new england indianapolis and houston and the new york jets uh the all you know all five of those kind of grayed out as at worst neutral at best you know fairly positive matchups for this wide receiver core which you know in turn gives me a little bit of hope quite a bit of hope actually for the quarterback position and kind of i'm kind of hoping that's where we see Corey davis uh put it together uh, along with uh, you know Taewon Taylor, and I think if you can spare the roster space in uh, deeper dynasty leagues or deep redraft leagues, uh, Dajay Sharp might be an interesting guy to sa- uh, snag here. Uh, you're gonna have to uh, you know roster him and not play him on the buy, but uh, you know I mean if he's kind of coming on strong as like Mariota's trusted receiver, why not take a shot if you're really in dire straits at that spot? Yeah, do you think that this is something we'll see more of going forward? Sharp getting more involved? I genuinely don't know. Uh, I, I wish I could tell. I mean, you know, the, the, the Titans' offense has been very low volume. It's it's just very hard to watch this squad. I mean, it's kind of fascinating that they're, uh, you know, one game below 500 right now. It's just, you would think they're like 0-7, but they're not. Uh, I think the one thing to keep in mind here is just we're heading into the heart of the buys. Like they're, we're still yet to hit the heavy bye weeks, and there's two bye weeks I believe where they're going to be six teams on buy each. 
Tajay Sharp will probably be able to fill in somewhere if you need him. Sonny Michel was forced out of the game early with a left knee injury. Uh, Blair, in Michel's absence, James White functioned as a primary running back and Kenyon Barner uh, saw some run. How do you see the Patriots' offense changing as a result of Michel's injury? Uh, yeah, this is an interesting question. I mean, it seemed like in the game today they were fine using White in sort of the situations you would expect them to be using Michelle in kind of short yardage situations at the end of the game to waste clock. It was James White getting all those carries. So um, it's possible that they just give him all the work. Uh, you know, Barner probably will get a lot more run. Um, if if Michelle's injury is long-term and he has to miss a lot of time, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see them try to pick up someone just because they've always been a team that's kind of carried backs with these specific functions. Um, but, I mean, in any case, I think you have to give a boost to James White while Michelle is out. I mean, we saw what he did today with the Michelle sidelined two touchdowns. So, um <clears throat> yeah, he's definitely someone to bump up in your rankings, uh, at least as long as Michelle is injured. Yeah, that's actually, I mean, like like, like you said, James White kind of functioned as the primary uh, running back here. As, and I really don't think they want him to be the guy who, like, is the the guy who they give all the, tack, uh, you know, through the tackles, used heavily as a grinder there. I was actually just quickly checking to see when Burkhead is eligible to come off IR, and I believe it's week 11. I, we still don't really know the extent of his neck injury. We don't know if it's if he's really been put on season-ending IR. I uh, wasn't able to find that. Uh, I think he was placed in IR with uh, designated to, res- uh, to return was the last thing I was able to dig up through my two minutes of uh, checking the old Google machine here. Um, but, yeah, I think Kenyon Barner probably will function as, like, just the grinder. I mean, I know uh, I was recently reading something about Kenyon Barner just sort of mentioning that he's trying to learn how to – figure out how to, uh, you know, getting a hold of this offense a little bit. And uh, I, I wonder if they sign uh, who they have in their practice squad. Kenneth Farrow, I think they might actually elevate him, which, uh, you know, is not <laughs> a very good, <laughs> you know, it's not really a, a way to advocate for uh, for him, I suppose. But he is a running back who is very close to the seat of power. Um, James Devlin might see a little bit more work. Uh, but I wonder if they just kind of shift over to more of a possession style going through the air because Chris Hogan kind of came alive in today's game a little bit as well. And I wonder if they just like lean on their receivers uh, heavily and just sort of try and extend drives and, you know, try and, you know, try and uh, bleed the clock down before passing or something to that extent, if they're able to, as opposed to have, uh, you know, risk a serious injury to James White. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, that's definitely possible. Uh, they have a bye in Week 11, the three games before that. They're at Buffalo, home against Green Bay, and then at Tennessee. So in probably two of those games, you can see that you can see New England jumping out to a big lead pretty early and uh, then wanting to run the ball. So, um, But, you know, maybe, maybe they will even so still rely on more on passing maybe uh trade out some of those short runs for passes to james white or edelman in the slot or something um kind of high percentage passes and instead of runs that's a kind of a trend we've seen happen in on a few other teams 
uh, this year and in the past couple of years. So um, might be nice to see that if if New England decides to do that. But I think uh, that was a probably a good call on Pharaoh and Devlin. And uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I would expect them to want to run the ball. Uh, well, actually, maybe not. Maybe they're okay, like scoring quickly and letting Buffalo try and play offense against them. Who knows? Yeah, I don't think Buffalo really has what constitutes an offense. But I am disappointed. Uh, you actually failed to mention uh, Josh Gordon, who uh, caught four of his seven targets for 100 yards. <laughs> yeah, well, I did forget to mention him. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I guess uh, are his targets exactly what you would call high percentage? I mean, four of seven is, is pretty good, yeah. Yeah, I mean, hey. I'm just excited because uh, I'm actually very excited to see him uh, coming on. I mean, I know Gronkowski was out, but, you know, it's it's exciting to see signs of life for Flash here. Definitely, yeah. Uh, yeah, had a lot of exposure to him actually in, in DFS, so the 100-yard bonus on DraftKings was nice. I was probably hoping to see a little bit more, hoping they would target him a little bit more. Uh, maybe he would, could get a touchdown, but uh, it's definitely encouraging to see him be so productive on just seven targets. So, yeah, I'm really hopeful for, you know, what he can do with Brady for the rest of the season. All right, before we get into No Shit, Shit, No, here's a quick reminder that you can support the Rotoviz Radio Network and our 10 shows per week on Patreon. By doing so, you'll gain exclusive access to Rotoviz Live, our weekly Sunday morning video show answering all your fantasy questions. Patronships start at just $6 a month and provide exclusive access to Rotoviz Live. That's four shows per month on top of 40 podcasts for just $6. Become a Rotoviz Radio patron today to join an exclusive community of listeners access premium content, and do your part in helping the network to grow and continue to produce high-quality, industry-leading programming. Speaking of exclusives as a loyal podcast listener, you can get 30% off your Rotoviz NFL Pass right now. It's available through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. You gain unlimited access to our NFL content and our tools. You get amazing value. You support the podcast network. Once again, that's rotoviz.com slash podcast. All right, now let's get into no shit, shit, no. First item up, Michael Gallup hauled in three of five targets for a team-high 81 yards and one score in Dallas's Week 7 loss to the Redskins. Yeah, I don't know what way to go with this. Uh, it's weird because, like, at one point, the Dallas Cowboys are arguably one of the more backward teams. This is the only team where they featured running back and a wide receiver by committee. On the other hand, we know they've got targets up for grabs. Uh, we know that they drafted Michael Gallup in the third because they like him, they like his talent. It's actually kind of nifty seeing him come alive, especially because, I mean, bear in mind that like 49 yards came on one play, like it was a one deep ball. But it is good to see Dak uh, developing that chemistry here with Gallup. I mean, both Cole Beasley and Alan Hearns round out what is arguably one of the saddest receiving cores in the NFL here. And uh, I mean, you know, Gallup's talent can actually break through. Uh, you know, like they just they, they need players to step up. This this team cannot continue to play this low flow ball control offense for as good as their defense really is. Uh, you know, when Zeke is unable to get anything going on the ground, they have to take to the air. And uh, Gallup is someone who people might have given up on. So check your waivers. George Kittle hauled in five of eight targets for 98 yards and a touchdown in the 49ers' Week Seven loss to the Rams. 
Yeah, this is a no shit for me. Um, Kittle and Beathard have seemed to have some kind of connection the last few weeks, and we know the Rams, even though they haven't been that strong against wide receivers the last few weeks with Tlaib out, um, they've still kind of been a, a funnel defense in that they give up a lot of tight end targets. So I think this was... This looked like it was going to be a pretty good spot for Kittle, and uh, uh, it was. So, yeah. But uh, what are your thoughts on, uh, uh, you know, Marquise Goodwin? Uh, he didn't really do much. Yeah. What are my thoughts on Marquise Goodwin? I mean, my thoughts are that his quarterback is C.J. Beathard. So, what do you want? <laughs> Raheem Mustard rushed seven times for 59 yards and hauled in all four of his targets for 19 yards in the 49ers' Week 7 loss to the Rams. Yeah, this is kind of going to have to be no shit. I mean, really part of it was just Matt Breda re-aggravating that ankle injury. He came off that exceptional performance Monday night. But, they, I mean, you know, they were just unable to really get much going on the ground. Mustard has the ability to kind of break pretty big plays. We saw that Monday night, uh, and he's doing it again. Uh, I mean, Breda was, uh, you know, struggling to such a degree that uh, they actually gave Alfred Morris some carries in this game. And he was, I mean, the, the, the difference is Mostert saw work as well as a receiver. He saw four targets. He caught all four of them uh, for 19 yards. You know, this is a big play threat. Uh, I think that uh, provided the 49ers are serious about letting Breda get healthy before continuing to ride him. You know, he only saw had five carries today uh, for 15 yards. Breda did. Um, like, this is a squad that is going to lean on uh, some kind of Mostert-Morris rotation. Uh, the issue that I have from a fantasy perspective is this isn't a very good team. Uh, I don't know how often they're going to visit the red zone. I don't know what you can expect in terms of uh, weekly fantasy production that isn't, you know, volatile from either or of them with a floor that leaves you at, you know, very low, and I have no idea how to gauge their ceiling. John Brown got seven of seven targets for 134 yards and a touchdown in the Ravens' Week 7 loss to the Saints. So this one's actually a shit no for me um, because of the <laughs> seven catches on seven targets for Brown is a line we're probably not going to see. I mean, I think that he fits well with what the Ravens are trying to do, throwing the ball downfield a lot. In this game, he actually had only 90 air yards on seven targets, so that's an A dot of less than 13. Crabtree actually had a higher A dot in this game. So um, kind of he was used today in a way that we haven't really seen before, uh, more more short stuff. Um, and I don't know if we can expect that to continue going forward. I kind of think probably not. I think next week or uh, in the near future he'll be back to, you know, seeing mostly deep targets. So um, obviously 134 yards and a touchdown is kind of always within his range of outcomes. Uh, I just don't think he'll usually be this efficient with his seven targets. Todd Gurley rushed 15 times for 63 yards and two touchdowns and caught four or five targets for 23 yards and another score in the Rams week seven win over the 49ers. Make Dodd Gurley illegal. This is it's it's unfair, man. Like you know, like when you when you when you go to go play against uh, uh, him in a you know seasonal format or or what have you, uh, even in dynasty, and you see the other guy starting Dodd Gurley, it's like ah, come on, man. Like just don't put up forty points. And it's like okay, he put up thirty-two, and it's like well, I still can't overcome this. It's you know, it's like uh, he's pretty much been a bit of a fantasy cheat code uh, all season long. Um, my bigger question here is, you know, the Rams are 7-0. and They're closing in on that uh, playoff spot. And, you know, I wonder if 
when they if they clinch their home field and their bye, did they just shut him down? I mean, I know like Malcolm Brown saw plenty of run because this was a you know a laugher of a blowout. So, you know, at what point do you think the Rams opt to like shut him down? Like, uh, you, do, you know, like uh, do you think that that's a that's an issue? I guess. Uh, I mean, uh, to rephrase my question, do you think they shut him down once they clinch home field? Huh, that's a good question. Like their week seventeen starts in like week fourteen or something. You mean? Yeah, I, I don't know if it's going to be week 14, but like it would genuinely be very funny if it was like a week 14 where they're just like, well, Gurley's out to the playoffs now, and that would be really funny. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be a kind of a cruel, cruel uh, joke to play on all his fantasy owners. But um, I don't know. That's an interesting thought. I kind of think that's unlikely, but. Uh, Definitely there, you know, stranger, stranger things happen in the NFL. So um, probably something to keep in mind if you're a girly owner and the Rams keep winning. Carson Wentz completed 30 of 37 passes for 310 yards and two touchdowns in the Eagles' Week 7 loss to the Panthers. Um, I mean, no shit. This is what Wentz does, right? 30 of 37 passes. Uh. And the Eagles have kind of been a little bit disappointing too this season, especially I guess on defense. So even the even the Week Seven loss to the Panthers is not not all that surprising, uh, even with this what is pretty a pretty decent stat line for Wentz. Um, so yeah, I think uh, in one way, kind of the Eagles struggles could be good for Wentz going forward if he has to attempt more passes. But um, I think he'll, he'll continue to be solid this season. Uh, yeah, I mean, are you at all worried about, um, about I guess, Wentz's efficiency if the Eagles are, you know, in a lot of close games or are, uh, are not winning as much? No, I'm really not. I mean, this is kind of what Wentz does. Uh, the Panthers don't exactly have a good defense or a good secondary. Uh, I mean, these guys, uh, both Alshon Jeffrey and Zach Ertz, carve them up. Uh, like, it, you know, just an absolute smashing and i mean wentz was able i mean he looks really good dude like he's uh he's uh getting he's healthy now that they have alshon back uh he's able to make his play like reads and just able to play with the you know more open offense a little bit i think like this offense like alshon jeffrey adds a new dynamism like 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 part of the issue here is nelson Aguilar is absolute garbage i mean he is um like he regressed to where remember when everyone was like well he's really terrible He's that guy again. I mean, he got six of his seven targets for 20 yards. That is amazing. Like, it's six of seven targets for 20 yards. I mean, that's just, I mean, you know, I think they're probably going to start giving Goddard some more run, particularly as a receiver. He saw uh, he got four of his five targets for 43 yards and a score. And they really are kind of hurting a little bit for receiver help. Um, I wonder, I mean, I uh, think that this squad really needs Mike Wallace back. Um, and he's going to be pretty interesting, uh, an interesting addition. They think that he is going to come back and, uh, you know, be a factor down the stretch. In which case, I mean, provided Wentz is taking those deep A dot throws down to Wallace, a, you know, he's probably going to lose it a little bit in terms of efficiency. But in terms of talent, I think that that's kind of unquestioned at this point. The guy is, I mean, he's incredible. Like, uh, Watching him make these like plays uh, and just putting up crazy points, it's a bit of a bummer that they lost to the to the Panthers. But here, you know, I mean, that's how it goes. 
TJ Yeldon rushed 12 times for 28 yards and caught five of seven targets for 40 yards and a touchdown in the Jaguars' Week 7 loss to Houston. Yeah, that's going to be probably a shit no for me. Uh, this team just recently traded for Carlos Hyde. Um, uh, that was actually a bit of a surprise, uh, you know, freed the way up for Nick Chubb. But Yeldon's had the backfield all to himself for a very long time now. Um, he also was uh, responsible for an interception. Uh, just he failed to corral it and it bounced off his hands. Uh, I think they'll be happy to get Hyde in as a change of pace guy once uh, Hyde starts running the offense. They'll probably be able to slide him in. Yeldon's really been very volume driven. His spike weeks have come because, you know, there's no Leonard Fournette. There's just no one else. And Corey Grant's an IR. Like, who else was going to challenge him? But now with Hyde in the backfield and the Jaguars repeatedly saying Leonard Fournette is coming back, that's going to, you know, kind of relegate Yeldon to change of pace status. Um, what do you uh, What do you think? Uh, yeah, I kind of agree. I mean, I think probably the Hyde trade says more about Fournette's shape for this season. Um, you know, I mean, the Jaguars also lost Corey Grant to IR, obviously. So, I mean, they're pretty thin at running back. Um, so it's possible they still want Yeldon to be the guy and Hyde is the, Hyde is kind of the change of pace or maybe Hyde is, I don't know, just the short yardage guy. Um, I mean, it's hard to see how this is a good thing for Yeldon, obviously, but it's also, I mean, some people, I guess, were thinking it would be good for Hyde, but I don't see that either. So, uh, everybody loses in this trade except for Nick Chubb. Jordan Howard rushed 12 times for 39 yards and a touchdown in the Bears' Week 7 loss to the Patriots. Um, I mean, I think this is a bad stat line, right? This is not good. 12 times for 39 yards, that's like a little over 3 yards. He got the touchdown, but um, I think, you know, now that Cohen is being a lot more worked into the office, basically every time Howard is in the game, opponents know that it's a, a running play. So, uh he's kind of easy to stack the box against when he's on the field. So I expect that we'll continue to see these kind of uh, low rushing yardage totals and maybe he'll get a touchdown. Um, I mean, we've said it before, clearly the back to own in this backfield is Cohen. Um, I don't think that Howard is going to be um, going to be, you know, winning many fantasy titles this season. So, I mean, he's someone who, if you can sell high after the touchdown, maybe try to do that. Although that seems hard to do, but uh, yeah. So I guess this is a no shit, even though he did get a touchdown. I mean, yeah, he's going to get touchdowns, so no shit. Eric Ebron absorbed three of seven targets for 31 yards Sunday in the Colts' Week Seven win over the Bills. Yeah, this is kind of going to be a no shit here for me as well. Uh, I mean, look, Ebron was really fueled by the fact that Luck had no one else to throw to. Uh, T.T.Y. Hilton was out. Uh, there was no Marlon Mack. You know, I mean, these guys, he only had Ebron and he had uh, Chester Rogers, Ryan Grant, Ryan Grant, Zach Pascal. You know, I mean, he has no one really to throw to. And when, like, Hilton came back, uh, you know, he immediately, I mean, first off, this was a, a game that was fairly low flow in terms of in terms of how many times this uh Luck had to actually throw the ball. He only attempted 23 passes. Uh, you know, seven of them, the majority of them, actually went to Eric Ebron. 
you know, and then the rest are kind of parsed out between the others. Uh, Hilton saw four, Rogers saw four, Max saw three. You know, he only completed 17 for 156 yards and four TDs. This team was completely comfortable letting the Bills beat themselves. And I think that that's going to be uh, a story going down the stretch is just the Bills' is woefully inept offense will not generate or force the other team to really have to play football. And they're completely content doing that uh, in terms of, uh, you know, Ebron just sort of fading away today. Yeah, that's going to be a no shit because he's a tight end. That's kind of what tight ends do. And when you're faced with a game script that doesn't end up shooting out, you're just not going to see many targets. Yeah, so seven targets doesn't sound like really a lot. As you mentioned, only 23 pass attempts for luck, though. So that's like a 30% target market share. He also had 52% of the total air yards on the team. So, uh, I mean, those are you know, like <laughs> incredible numbers, especially for a tight end. So I guess, do you see him still maintaining a lead uh, in in terms of market share, even when Hilton maybe is back fully? That kind of is going to be dependent on what the Colts do at the trade deadline. Uh, Amari Cooper, uh, you know, there's been rumors about him being traded. Uh, the Colts have actually emerged as one of three teams that has seriously inquired about him. Uh, the other two being the Dallas Cowboys and Washington. Uh, we talked a little bit about Amari Cooper and Indianapolis uh, last week, this time uh, with Ben. And, uh, you know, again, they've got the gap space. They can probably make it happen. I, I wonder what Gruden's asking price really is and if the Colts are willing to pay it. That's going to determine a lot uh, going down. Uh, but this team, if they, if they actually add uh, Amari, who you know, is an immediate upgrade over Chester Rogers and Ryan Grant combined. And he's a different type of player to T.Y. Hilton. I don't know, man. Like, do you really see, like, them heavily using Ebron, especially once Jack Doyle's back in the fold? No, apparently not. <laughs> but I'm, I've, been, I've been kind of skeptical on Ebron. The whole season, often to my, uh, you know, detriment. So take that, I guess, with a grain of salt. Kenyon Drake rushed six times for 72 yards and a touchdown in the Dolphins' Week 7 loss to the Lions. He also added four receptions for 15 additional yards. Yeah, Drake uh, actually led the team in targets today. So um, if you're an owner, that's obviously nice to see, although you'd probably like him to get more rushing work um although i think this is probably a no shit this is kind of how they want to divvy up their backfield touches with frank gore leading the way in terms of rushing and then drake being worked in as the uh pass catching back so um that's a little bit disappointing for people who drafted him in the third round or fourth round or wherever you were able to get him um although obviously the receiving work is a lot more valuable and if he can continue to get Eight targets. I mean, even if they're, you know, <laughs> eight targets from Brock Osweiler maybe aren't that good, and he was only able to turn them into 15 yards. So it's uh, not a great line today, but still the the, the workload is is good to see. Um, yeah, I'm kind of was never a big Drake believer, so I guess seeing him be used this much in the passing game is kind of a pleasant surprise to me. Um, but still a little bit disappointing to, based on where people drafted him, for sure. 
Ronald Jones rushed six times for 13 yards and a touchdown while catching his lone target for 15 yards in Sunday's Week 7 win over the Browns. I don't know what to make of this. Um, I'm going to say shit no, if only because a lot of Ronald Jones' work came, uh, you know, kind of intermittently. This team seems to be pretty hell-bent on using Peyton Barber as a starter. He was barely used. The barber had to actually leave the field uh, because of an injury. And he was actually... uh, The interesting thing here is that touchdown, that is the first rushing touchdown scored by a Buccaneers' running back this season. I think part of it is actually interesting uh, because Barber, he suffered an ankle injury uh, trying to catch his final target in the third quarter of the game and the Bucks haven't really uh, updated us on what his status is going forward. But, you know, I mean, if he's missing practice, that probably means they're going to have to be forced to use Jones, right? Yeah, I would think so. Uh, you know, obviously Barber has struggled in this offense and Jones didn't look that much better. I mean, the only, you have to think that the problems with this running game are systemic. It's not that Barber is actually bad, although he really maybe might be and Ronald Jones, I guess might be too, but, um, it's likely this is kind of like what we saw in Arizona with David Johnson just, you know, being asked to run up the middle every play and, you know, how many yards can you gain doing that every time? So, um, yeah, I think that they would have to, they're obviously going to have to turn to Ronald Jones if Barber can't play. Is it going to be good for Jones? You know, um, I don't know, six carries for 13 yards today. So, I think that we might continue to see him be pretty inefficient, and unfortunately, he's going to get a lot of the blame for that. So, um, yeah, I almost want them not to use him. <laughs> Adam Thielen caught 9 of 10 targets for 110 yards and a touchdown in the Vikings with a 37-17 Week 7 win over the Jets. I mean, no shit. This is what Thielen does, right? Uh, another 100-yard game, uh, another touchdown. I don't know if the Jets this time were just focusing on digs again, like the like all the all the teams seem to be uh, that they've faced before this, treating Diggs as if he's the number one. Um, but for whatever reason, yeah, Thielen is smashing. Diggs actually had 15 targets today, I think, and ended up catching eight of them for only I want to say 33 yards. So he had a pretty pretty disappointing game from an efficiency standpoint, but he was getting a lot of targets so that's definitely a positive sign for uh, people who own a lot of digs like me but uh, yeah I mean I would say you know continue to start both of these guys Thielen has you know shows no signs of slowing down I'm expecting at some point we'll see defenses start focusing more on him which will open up the field more for digs to uh, really get going so uh, this will be a yeah definitely a, a fun team to watch going forward Kerryon Johnson rushed 19 times for 158 yards in the Lions' Week 7 win over the Dolphins, adding two receptions for 21 additional yards. Yeah, and this is no shit. I mean, we always sort of knew he was uh, ultra-talented, right? Like, uh, it was just a matter of Matt Patricia letting him be great. Uh, unfortunately, what it took was an injury to Theoretic before they opted to use him a little bit more in terms of the rushing game, I mean, receiving game. But even then, he barely saw much work, right? Like two targets, whatever, who cares? Uh, 
part of what is actually interesting is is just how much better a runner he is than the Garrett Blunt, and yet Blunt continues to vulture goal line work. It's a uh, it's a uh, frustrating, I guess, if you do own um, Carry On, but at this point, uh, I think you know Carry On's you know it's very difficult to ignore that he is taking over this backfield. Uh, he's sort of seen a higher share of the rush attempts he saw nine, uh blunt only saw 10 he uh, i mean uh, you know to blunt's credit he added 50 yards in a score but you know for the most part this is uh, going to be a backfield that uh carry on slowly takes over and i guess you know would be something to sort of monitor going forward hopefully you were you actually drafted carry on um and are ready to deploy him as an every week rb2 i mean if he finds the end zone once He's not going to have 158 yards and 19 rush attempts again. It's just not going to be that easy. But if he's able to find the end zone or he's able to continuously post, you know, solid rushing numbers and a handful of receptions, you've got a pretty, you know, high-end RB2 with potential RB1 upside. Yeah, definitely. And it's important to note, any of the three targets is disappointing if you were hoping for him to take over a lot of Riddick's work. But Stafford only threw 22 passes. I mean, obviously, because... Johnson was so uh, efficient in the run game, at least in part, and Blunt even was, you know, five yards per carry is like uh, <laughs> unheard of for Blunt. So um, so it's weird for Detroit to be this good at running the ball, but and I don't think they probably will be going forward. So I'd expect if Riddick has to miss more time, Johnson to get more passing game work. So even if he's not as efficient a runner hopefully he can even some of that out with some uh, more receptions lamar miller rushed 22 times for 100 yards and a touchdown and caught one of three targets for negative one yard in the texans week seven win over the jaguars so just as everyone's ready to give up on lamar miller he pulls us all back in again right uh i mean this is this, this could be a shit no but really it is a uh, no shit I mean, today, Deshaun Watson didn't do much. I don't know if you caught the story about how he got to the game from Houston, but uh, the guy is in bad shape, man. I mean, let me let me look it up really quickly. I got a, I it was it, I, I don't want to be wrong about that. He took the bus to avoid plane pressure because he's playing with like a partially collapsed lung. Yeah, sorry, no, not partially collapsed lung. I was wrong about that. He, uh, They were worried about the effect the air pressure could have on the quarterback's bruised lung and injured ribs. And, uh, you know, Bill O'Brien basically said that, like, uh, you know, he's playing hurt, and it looks like they're actually not going to do the thing where they're uh, letting him get hit uh, as, a, as someone who, you know, runs out of the... Uh, as a runner, they're willing to actually lean on their run game, which is good news for Lamar Miller, who actually put together this is his best game of the season. He came up pretty big against a divisional opponent on the road. I mean, and this is good news for any of uh, us who have a lot of Lamar Miller in uh, best ball leagues. I've got him in uh, just a ton of them. And, uh, you know, it's good to see signs of life from him. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, last year anyway, Jacksonville was someone who we kind of wanted to target running backs against just because their secondary was so good. So, I mean, do you think this is kind of Houston exploiting a matchup and uh, maybe we shouldn't necessarily see this going forward? I mean, obviously game script had a lot to do with it. They went 20 to seven. So um, are you comfortable starting Miller going forward this season or is this kind of a, just a blip? 
I'm definitely going to be starting Miller against the Dolphins next week. I mean, we just talked about how, uh, you know, both Garyon Johnson and uh, LeGarrette Blunt destroyed them on the ground. And I think that, you know, we can see that happen again. Uh, I mean, it's kind of interesting because Deshaun Watson was able to still make plays. You know, uh, Hopkins and Fuller worked in pretty nicely. And he will make plays. I mean, this is a really, really tough dude. I mean, he recovered from an ACL tear. Now he's dealing with massive injuries to where he can't even fly with the squad. And he's still able to come up and, like, lace up and go out there and play. Uh, you know, if, if that was me... Uh, you know, if I if I have the flu, I'm uh, I'm out for the week, man. Like, you know, so 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 this is a squad that's actually going to be kind of interesting to follow, and I think they might lean heavily on Lamar Miller as Deshaun Watson gets right. I mean, this this offensive line it was just so poor and just so terrible, and people were you know kind of appalled at like the amount of hits Watson was taking. So it's I would expect them to lean on their run game going forward, uh, especially because this. They're now in uh, command of the division, and they're in you know position to make the playoffs. And I think they want to keep their quarterback healthy for the playoffs. So how about this one? Going off script a bit, uh, Tyler Irvin caught one target, one of his his only target for 19 yards. Uh, is he someone you believe in going forward? Uh, probably not. Uh, if only because we've still got. You know, Jordan Aikens, Jordan Thomas, neither of them saw much work. Kiki QT actually had to leave the game with a hamstring issue. I think the way this will go is just very concentrated uh, in terms of target share. They're just going to go to Hopkins, go to Fuller. I mean, you know, Fuller's a deep threat, but at the same time, I believe he's got the ability to be the short dot guy who you just let up, let rack up yak. I mean, the guy's got elite burner speed. Hopkins is the, uh, sorry, Watson is the guy who can easily hit him in stride. And, uh, you know, with Lamar Miller Alfred, and Alfred Blue, you know, you've got kind of that one-two-ish, uh, you, you know, meh kind of run game. But the interesting thing w- will be if uh, Foreman comes back and, uh, you know, he's ready to go. Uh, maybe he's not going to be a particularly fantasy viable runner, but he might actually provide a little bit more protection in terms of pass pro, whatever, who cares. But also as a physical through the tackles runner, which will let Lamar Miller actually work in more so as a receiver out of the backfield. So that would be interesting to follow. And I think that that is why Tyler Irvin won't necessarily really be a thing, which is a bit of a bummer because I know you're a huge fan of his. I am. I was, and I'm still kind of holding out hope. I guess I'm I'm one of the last uh, Tyler Irvin truthers. But, uh, yeah, I also like uh, Dante Foreman, so I'm excited to see him come back, and hopefully he uh, will uh, you know, look as good as he did at the end of his, uh, you know, shortened season last last year. Matthew Stafford completed 18 of 22 passes for 217 yards and two touchdowns in the Lions' 32-21 Week 7 win over the Dolphins. Yeah, I mean, we kind of discussed this already. This is probably a should-know just in terms of the uh, number of passes Stafford should be expected to throw uh, on a, you know, going forward from here. Um the Lions running game obviously was way more efficient than uh, than it has been in a long time. And um, I don't think we'll see that a lot more. But um, Stafford obviously has talented pass catchers. I mean, Galladay looks like he is a real, you know, wide receiver one in this league. I mean, if he can get continue to get uh, most of the opportunity he's getting or um, even – hopefully get more going forward, I think he could, you know, end up 
maybe top 15 uh, wide receiver. I don't know exactly where he's ranked right now, but uh, I have really high hopes for him. So I, I think uh, we should expect to see Stafford have, um, you know, efficient games in the future. I mean, 217 yards and two touchdowns isn't great, but on only 22 passes, you know, you'd think if he could, if he could even attempt 32, that could go way up. So, uh, yeah, I really am liking this, uh, Lions offense, uh, for the rest of the season. Sam Darnold completed just 17 of 42 passes for 206 yards, one touchdown and three interceptions in the just 37, 17 week seven loss to the Vikings. Eh, you know, this is kind of a no shit and also a bit of a shit no. Uh, it's hard to tell because he's a, he's a rookie quarterback uh, without any real semblance of a receiving core. Um, I thought he did fairly okay considering that they were playing against a Super Bowl favorite. So in that regard, uh, I'm actually kind of uh, in- interested. I mean, Darnold is young. I think he's going to turn out to be pretty okay uh, in terms of... Uh, as a quarterback um the question is uh, you know he seems to be progressing pretty nicely he's got a handful of pretty nice wins he's got a bunch of brutal losses uh, you know if this is all parts of the game uh, you know in terms of like uh, actual um progression in terms of being a rookie and taking a lumps and learning with it he's one of the youngest uh, if not the youngest nfl quarterback ever so you know his ceiling is astronomical and um it's a bit of a bummer to not see him actually connect a little bit more with Robbie Anderson. Really, Robbie Anderson is uh, their only um, healthy wide receiver right now. He saw 10 targets. He caught three of those for 44 yards. Uh, Trenton Cannon actually saw plenty of work as a receiver. He caught four of his five targets for 69 yards. Pretty nice. Uh, and Chris Herndon has uh, emerged as his second favorite target, apparently. He's, he caught four of his seven for 42 yards and a score. You know, so I guess... To put that question back to you, what do you think about Darnold in terms of his rookie, as how his rookie season has gone thus far? I've actually been pretty impressed with Darnold's rookie season. I mean, this team has, for the most part, you know, outside of today and I think one other game, they've mostly relied on the run. I mean, they've gotten a few really big games from Crowell, so that's enabled them to kind of uh, not have to use Darnold as much. Um but the times that they have, uh, you know, asked him to to actually throw the ball, I think he has he has played fairly well. I mean, yeah, like you said, he's a rookie. There are going to be some growing pains. But I mean, for yeah, a kid who's what 21, you know, coming in to the NFL, I think um, he's been better than I expected. I guess is what I will say. Uh, not that I didn't like him, you know, I I was pretty high on him as a QB prospect. I just um, thought that he would struggle early in the season. And, uh, you know, to an extent he has, but um, not as much as I I guess I would have thought. I mean, three interceptions, never good to see. But, um, you know, the the Jets have been a surprising team to watch. They've been surprisingly good. So, And I think Darnold has a lot to do with that. Baker Mayfield completed 23 of 34 passes for 215 yards and two touchdowns in Sunday's Week 7 loss to the Bucks. Yeah, this is going to be uh, no shit for me. Uh, Baker Mayfield's 
the second rookie quarterback who is, you know, proving to be the guy who is very, very good. I think both Baker and Darnold uh, are the two rookie quarterbacks who are kind of living up to billing. I know Darnold kind of isn't, uh, but here's the thing. He's kind of doesn't have the same supporting cast as Baker does. Uh, Baker's got a slightly better supporting cast and just an absolute load of garbage in terms of coaching. I mean, say what you want. I don't think Todd Haley's particularly good. And he's still making it work. Uh, he's peppering Landry a lot. He's peppering Njoku a lot. And, you know, it looks like uh, Antonio Callaway is fading away uh, from relevance. And Damian Ratley. I mean, like this is like a squad that's still fairly gallant, deficient in terms of receiver uh, help. And, you know, Mayfield's still making it happen. He added 43 yards on the ground as well on four carries with his legs you know this guy is fantastic and i'm very very excited for the future of both baker mayfield and sam darnold in this league because if there's one thing this entire patrick mahomes hoopla has shown us is that we need more good young quarterbacks in the nfl yeah so the browns actually just made a huge move obviously moving Hyde. we kind of talked about that with yeldon but um one person that i think a lot of people expected that to help was duke johnson and uh, he kind of disappointed today. Were you expecting more out of him? Nah, I haven't heard that name in years. Yeah, I, I actually kind of was. Uh, you know, like last week, uh, we were actually reminded that, hey, this Duke Johnson character is pretty good at football, and he's good at catching the ball, and he's good at running, which, uh, you know, which they need. They need, they need a receiver, you know? And... It's kind of bizarre uh, to see, uh, you know, Duke only get four targets in this one. He caught all four of them for 23 yards. But, you know, at, at the same time, I don't know what what this coaching staff is really doing by by marginalizing Duke. You know, like you re-signed him uh, and um, he's clearly a better receiver than some of the guys you've got in your squad. Uh, I was partially kind of optimistic that he would see a little bit more run, but that hasn't come to fruition. What, do you, what are your thoughts on his rest of season prospects here? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Mayfield obviously is not like he's looking downfield a lot. It seems he's not as interested in checking down to running backs as a lot of quarterbacks often are. I mean, if you if you traded every Antonio Callaway for a Duke Johnson, every Antonio Callaway target that is for a Duke Johnson target, I mean, it's hard to believe that your team wouldn't be better off for doing that. Just with how bad Callaway has looked the past few games. Um, so, you know, I mean, Callaway only had two targets today, so maybe there's a chance that uh, Duke Johnson can step into some of that opportunity, although even though he didn't today, um, you know, Landry had 15 targets. I don't think he's going to get that many going forward. So I guess I still have a little hope that uh, Duke Johnson will get more passing game opportunity. Um Last year they had him lining up in the slot a lot and uh, basically running wide receiver routes. So um, you know maybe we'll see him do more of that going forward. I mean it's not like I have faith in this coaching staff to do that. Although Haley did that with Le'Veon Bell a bit in Pittsburgh, and uh, you know Hugh Jackson obviously was coaching last year when they were doing that with Duke Johnson. So there's a lot of you know at least signs pointing to the fact that they know they could be using Duke Johnson better, I guess. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's hard to really tell what this coaching staff knows, so I don't know. Yeah, there was some chatter that they're, uh, that the ownership is not particularly thrilled and they're looking to shake things up. Um, that might, I don't know if that means that he was out of the door, on his way out the door, or um, 
everyone's on their way out the door. So I guess we should stay tuned. I mean, all that's going to mean is this team's going to have to start again um, in 2019. So with a whole new offense, probably. So it'll be interesting to see how this one goes goes down. Philip Lindsay rushed 14 times for 90 yards and a touchdown in the Broncos' Week 7 win over the Cardinals. Yeah, no shit. Philip Lindsay is the real deal. I mean, he's looked amazing every time he's running the ball. He's obviously the best pass-catching back out of the backfield, and he gives the Broncos uh, sort of an element that Freeman doesn't give them in the sense that he's kind of a dual threat, right? Uh, when, when he's on the field, defense doesn't necessarily know uh, whether they want to use him in the run or the pass. So, I mean, he's uh, more valuable to the Broncos in that way. So I expect we'll keep seeing him put up these kind of lines. So, um, you know, if you were lucky enough to pick him up early for $69 or something, then um, you're probably really happy. Yes, I am very happy. <laughs> But uh, but actually, it's kind of interesting because they don't re- they haven't really thrown much to Philip Lindsay. Uh, the weird thing really was in that uh, Cardinals game to see Booker actually come out and get one target that he got for negative one yards. I mean, get get out of here. Uh, but like the big deal here is Royce Freeman kind of suffered a high ankle sprain, but the team is insisting he's going to be ready, you know, for this week. And I think uh, the, the issue that I kind of have here with Freeman is he might actually be undervalued. I, I've got a couple of offers from people who are trying to sell uh, a Royce Freeman. The issue with selling Royce Freeman right now is you're going to have to sell him very low. You're not going to get the same kind of valuation you had uh, pre-start you know, start of the NFL season where everyone was very hyper. Like, I mean, at this point, I, I don't know what I'll be willing to pay for like Royce Freeman, but you're going to have to... If you're trying to legitimately offload him, you're going to have to take a massive loss on that uh, thing. Uh, as a guy who's actually invested fairly heavily in Royce Freeman, I'm just willing to hold. Uh, I think this entire squad will eventually have to figure out what they're doing on offense because his advanced shows of offense isn't particularly good. And I think that will spark Freeman in kind of an Ingram-esque uh, role, uh, leaving uh, Lindsay kind of, I mean, I wouldn't even say he's the Camara, but like, they both play very distinct roles, and I don't know. It kind of like, uh, and it's hard to even compare them to Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler because neither of them really are used heavily in the receiving game. But they can be a form, like a kind of a thunder and lightning ish backfield, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, one thing to note in this game against the Cardinals, the you know the Broncos only attempted 22 passes. Um, so Lindsay getting one target, I mean, that's pretty disappointing, but maybe not. You know, it's kind of a weird game. I mean, I think Freeman, yeah, you definitely don't want to sell him now. He's he's a, a hold for me as well. He's definitely an underrated pass catcher. Uh, it was something he did quite a bit in college, and for whatever reason, the Broncos are not giving him that sort of work. Um you know, which as a Philip Lindsay owner, I'm I'm okay with, but as a Freeman owner in some in a lot of dynasty leagues, that's a little bit disappointing that they're not trying to make a more concerted effort to work him into kind of both phases of the game. They're really treating him as I don't know, like a a much more talented LeGarrette Blunt or something. I mean, they're giving him a lot more run between the twenties, but yeah, kind of like you said, Ingram, Kamara, um, I mean, even Ingram is catching passes, so maybe it's more like a Jordan Howard, Tariq Cohen kind of situation. 
Um, but just with a lot less passing game involvement for anyone, for everyone, since they still insist on using Booker. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of aspects of this situation that are frustrating. Um, yeah, just to go a little bit off script, uh, today it came out uh, came out that like the Broncos are shopping Demarius Thomas uh, pretty heavily. So maybe there is some more opportunity, but really that signals it's Cortland Sutton time. Oh yeah, absolutely. I've been, you know, expecting every week since like week two to be Cortland Sutton time. I mean, he finally got a touchdown. Didn't even come from Keenum, so I think that's probably a signal that uh, maybe they need a quarterback change. I don't know. Switch, <laughs> move, move Sanders to uh, to quarterback, and then there'll be enough opportunity for Sutton. But yeah, uh, I really like his prospects going forward. He's someone I'm trying to acquire. Right now in almost every league, because I think that over the rest of the season, he's only going to see his opportunity grow and uh, he's going to probably have some big games from here on out. Yeah, it's kind of weird, right? Like uh, Cortland Sutton looks a lot like latter day Demarius Thomas right now. Maybe with a quarterback upgrade, he could <laughs> look like, uh, look like uh, for, uh, yesterday, like Demarius Thomas of yesteryear. Definitely. Mitchell Trubisky completed 26 of 50 attempts for 333 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions in the Bears' Week 7 loss to the Patriots, adding 81 yards and a touchdown on six carries. Yeah, I don't know what to say here. I guess no shit to the rushing production. That's just ludicrous. But shit no to the to the passing production, right? Like this game was a shootout. There was plenty of volume to go around. Uh and Trubisky's kind of coming up big, you know? I mean, like, he did it without any involvement from Allen Robinson. Like, this is a squad that is doing, that's actually executing on the game plan. And it's fairly fascinating to watch them do that and grow as a team. They're, they're very exciting. Uh, we were talking a little bit off mic uh, before the start of the show. And, uh, you know, I think uh, the Bears would have been a fascinating team for A-Spirit to have actually thought about covering uh, in hard knocks ahead of the Browns. Yeah, definitely a lot of interesting aspects of this team. I mean, they've looked, uh, you know, the past three weeks have looked totally different than than they did in their first three weeks. Um, yeah, I guess the question is, for me anyway, uh, you know, which Trubisky is the, is the real one? Is the one we've seen the last three weeks where he's gone for over 300 yards and uh, I think he's thrown 11 touchdown passes in the last three weeks? Um, you know, is that the Trubisky that we're going to see the rest of the season, or should we be expecting him to regress to his uh, earlier season form? I mean, the obvious answer is uh, to say some form of regression is due. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, if this Bears' defense is going to continue to get hammered uh, going forward, they're going to have to throw to stay in games. The difference is, is I think this team is like learning the ropes on offense to where they're able to stay in these uh, shootouts, which is you know pretty impressive, and they're gonna put up points, and it's gonna be a matter of time. It's only a matter of time till eventually, hopefully, uh, knock on wood, because I have a lot of exposure, that Allen Robinson comes around, and uh, you know it's, and that everyone sort of gets fed. I mean, Trey Burton and Tariq Cohen were absolute monsters today, and uh, you know Taylor Gabriel was kind of marginalized, but it would be nice to see you know Allen Robinson get on the same page maybe even Anthony Miller do something um but this is a team with a lot of options in terms of offense and I think that this 
we could see him actually play at a better and a higher level than we did in those first three games. So I think that those first three games might have actually been his basement, if that makes sense. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. And I mean, coming into the season, I think a lot of people in the fantasy world were expecting um, sort of a big step forward, kind of a Jared Goff-esque step forward after the coaching change. And so in a way, the last three weeks have kind of confirmed our prior. So, um, you know, him if he continues to perform at this level, you know, maybe that's not necessarily, uh, maybe he's not necessarily due for aggression just because uh, he's kind of, he's more meeting our <laughs> preseason expectations, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just funny how quickly kind of opinions changed on him just based on, you know, a few games, a really small sample. After, I guess, three games, everyone was, you know, kind of out on him. He's, He's terrible after all, not the not the next Jared Goff, it turns out, but then uh, three games like this and uh, we're back on. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's just funny how these short time frames can really, really mess with your evaluations. Yeah, I think we're just in a rush to kind of crown the next really good guy and just be sure of it. And, you know, I, I kind of think that we should be embracing the sport, embracing the variance and just, you know, enjoying the journey. All right, before we get into the final segment, I understand uh, you're hoping for a big game from Odell Beckham tomorrow night. Is that right? Yeah, I, I am. I'm, uh, we were talking a little bit off mic. I, I'm really facing a pretty steep deficit, and he's on a lot of my squad, so I'm going to need him to step up pretty big here. Well, I'm seeing a line on his yardage at my bookie. Let's see. looks like you can build a prop over 96 for minus 115 how do you like uh those odds and would you would that give you enough to uh to win your matchup yeah hopefully the over on that one actually hits uh i probably actually just might go right ahead and actually play that um i I know it's not going to be for a lot i don't know the limit on these things are but uh if it does i'll be pretty happy because that would probably give me a win in uh, about five matchups here so that's actually pretty nifty yeah that would be awesome you definitely want to to play that on my bookie you know, watching football is fun, but it's more entertaining when you have some action on the line. Uh, whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting at my bookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, then like playing the numbers on roulette, you can create a big parlay. Uh, pick three teams to win. If you hit all three, you could turn $100 into $600. There's so much to bet on. Playoff baseball, hockey, primetime fights, and more. But my bookie is the one bet I know you'll be happy with all year. I recommend these guys because I really trust them. MyBookie has been in business for years. They've got great online reviews, and their mobile site is easy to use. If you're on the sidelines, now's the time to get in the game. MyBookie will still match your first deposit dollar for dollar, but you got to join now because they'll be pulling that offer. So log on to MyBookie right now and double your money. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, moving on to news item number three. Mark Ingram rushed 12 times for 32 scoreless yards in the Saints' Week 7 win over the Ravens and added two catches for 10 additional yards. Meanwhile, Alvin Kamara rushed 17 times for 64 yards and a touchdown while adding two catches for 11 additional yards. So Hassan Kamara outtouched Ingram 19-14 to in this game. Do you think that this is closer to the touch distribution we should expect going forward? Yeah, I would actually think so. This was actually a pretty close game here played between both the uh, both teams. And I've written about it 
you know, extensively uh, in the Zero RB report. This is a, you know, when the game is within a score, the team is much more likely to use uh, Kamara over Ingram. Uh, I mean, Kamara is just a more dynamic player. He's just a fantastic receiver out of the backfield. He's good at running through the tackles. I mean, he's kind of inefficient-ish relative to Ingram, but you know they're willing to salt the game away with Ingram this defense isn't what it was last year and you kind of end up with numbers like this I mean you know they they face against they face off against a team that's a pretty solid defense and neither of them are able to get um, much done uh, in terms of uh, you know through the air Uh, you know the two targets here for I mean sorry the two catches for Kamara for 11 yards is a huge disappointment uh, the big difference is both of them kind of saw goal line carries. Kamara actually converted his, unlike Ingram. And, uh, you know, given, and I'm kind of a fan of Ingram, but not really as big as I am of Kamara just because of the difference in athleticism, you know, uh, Kamara's ability to create across the field. Ingram really needs to convert those money plays. Uh, you know, in my Bilo report uh, last year in week 16, I actually recommended that people straight go out and just sell Ingram in dynasty leagues. He was coming off a career best year. It was highly unlikely he was going to be able to repeat. And, uh, you know, one of the things that required for him to repeat as a, as, he, as he did as an RB1 last year was that the defense was going to be good. Uh, this New Orleans defense, not good. So I would kind of expect in close games, uh, you know, Kamara to see the bulk of the work. I mean, and that's sort of where I would expect to see this go. What are your thoughts here on this backfield and how the the work was parsed out? Yeah, it was definitely disappointing to see Kamara only get those two catches. The other thing that was a little bit disappointing in a weird way is that he actually outcarried Ingram. Um, you know, because if Ingram has any value uh, to this backfield, I mean, I'm saying this as, you know, a huge Kamara fan, so I'm kind of biased. If Ingram has any value, it's in taking on a lot of the rushing attempts that are you know far lower value touches and also higher injury risk touches um <laughs> i mean that's a really kind of cynical way to look at what ingram's value is but i think if you're a camara owner camara fan that's the the way you'd like to see them use ingram uh take some of those um you know those low value touches away from camara and uh hopefully keep him healthier uh so yeah it's frustrating that they're kind of using them interchangeably, even giving Kamara more run. I mean, uh, giving him more rushing attempts. You know, the goal line carries obviously are good, and Kamara is has shown that he's you know he's good at converting those. So I think they probably want to keep him, keep giving them to him. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, w- I was loving the Kamara we had before Ingram came back. I'm hoping that we still get to see some of that, even with Ingram in the mix. Um, I expect that, you know, two catches is going to be uh, an anomaly for Kamara, and he should uh, get a lot more going forward. I mean, it's not like Ingram is stealing a lot of catches from him. He also only had two. So, yeah, while this is frustrating, I don't think it's necessarily a sign of what we should expect going forward. Uh, I think in terms of Kamara out-touching Ingram, that probably will continue to happen, but just hopefully more of those touches are going to be converted from rushing attempts to passing targets. 
Yeah, and just out of curiosity, I know Taysom Hill saw, you know, a little bit of work, and he's kind of has emerged, not necessarily as a fantasy viable asset, but more so as like a leech, and he will, you know, sort of siphon away some of that uh, uh, work. And uh, so what are your thoughts on, you know, Taysom Hill, and who who does it really influence here? Yeah, Taysom Hill is... Uh... Definitely kind of interesting. Um, I think that probably if his value hurts any of these running backs, it would be Ingram's just because the role they've kind of given him, given to Hill, kind of seems to overlap more with what they are asking Ingram to do, or at least what I'm hoping them to ask Ingram to do. Um, I mean, it's clear, you know, when Hill is in the game, they are never going to throw the ball. They're not putting Hill in the game in order to attempt to pass when you have Drew Brees. So, I mean, yeah, he's listed at QB, but he's basically a third running back, and, uh, you know, he's not catching passes either. So, um, you know, I guess he's kind of doing those <laughs> between the tackles carries that uh, I don't want in- I don't want Kamara getting a lot of, and, uh, you know, that's hurting Ingram, I think, more than Kamara. So I, yeah, as a you know, as someone who owns some Kamara and basically zero Ingram, I'm not too worried about Taysom Hill. Um, yeah, I mean, I like kind of the creative way they're using him, just because I think he has a lot more value as a runner than probably he does as a passer. So uh, it's definitely fun to watch when he comes into the game. So I'm hoping they can kind of continue to use him in even more creative ways maybe. But uh, yeah, I don't think he's a threat to Kamara. Blake Portals failed to move the ball against the Houston Texans and was benched for Cody Kessler in the second half. Kessler, Kessler competed 21 of 30 passes for 156 yards and a touchdown and one interception in the second half. Uh, Blair, do you think this uh, benching was to send a message to Bortles, or do you think the Jaguars will continue to play Kessler as a starting QB uh, for the foreseeable future? Um, I do not. I think that next week we'll see Bortles back under center. I'd be really surprised if they didn't go back to Bortles next week. I think this is kind of just, uh, you know, the coaches are fed up with the way the offense is playing, fed up with the uh, with the fumbles, and just uh, need to, I don't know, get a get a fresh, uh, you know, fresh set of legs in the game, fresh uh, arm. Um, I would not really be reading too much into Bortles' future with the team based on this, um, based on this benching. Um, you know, but on the other hand, Bortles has looked, you know, pretty bad in a few recent games. Kessler, I always thought was, you know, serviceable at least when he was in Cleveland. He wasn't awful. And, uh, you know, today, 21 of 30 passes and a touchdown, you know, that's not awful. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> it's possible the Jaguars could be at least as good with Kessler under center, if not maybe a little bit better. So I'm, yeah, I'm not necessarily opposed maybe even to them going to Kessler. I mean, I'm not a Bortles fanboy by any means. And I, uh, I always thought Kessler was underrated. So it would definitely be an interesting situation if they, if they went to Kessler and I'd kind of be excited to see what happened, but I'm, I would be really surprised if they did that. 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, um, in the interception, I, I mentioned this earlier in the show, but the interception really was this like uh, check down pass to TJ Yeldon and it just garromed off his hands right into the arms of like the opposing safety. It, it really was like not Kessler's fault. I mean, Kessler kind of is like a game manager type of guy. And realistically, that's kind of what this squad was under Blake Bortles like last year, right? Like, this was a team that ran the football. They expected the defense to step up and make plays. Uh, you know, they were content winning without really putting points up on the board. Now, the issue that, you know, we're looking at here is, you know, Blake, like Blake Bortles has uh, uh, sort of been the root cause behind, uh, you know, them falling into a deficit. You know, he lost two, two fumbles, um, and he just he can't seem to hit the broad side of a barn. He seems to be the kind of guy who um, is, you know... Uh, gets kind of in his own head, if that makes sense, right? Like, when he's playing well, he'll continue to play well. When he plays badly, he kind of spirals downward, right? And uh, I wonder if, uh, you know, this team was supposed to be a theoretical Super Bowl contender. I wonder if they really are going to give Bortles some time off. Um, I mean, I guess in uh, the only fantasy-relevant advice for Gaster I have is if you play in a Superflex or a 2QB Dynasty League, uh, you know, take a look on your waivers. If you're in a bad situation for quarterback, take a look at your waivers. I don't think I can, like, recommend Kessler as an actual fill-in quarterback in terms of um, uh, for 1QB leagues, maybe outside of a punt play in DFS. It would be, we'll see when pricing comes out. I haven't looked at the pricing for this week, but... You know, I mean, it would be kind of fascinating because Gessler kind of performed pretty okay in that one season as the Browns. Uh, not great. He definitely might represent something in terms of a longer-term asset as well. I mean, the Jaguars are going to be paying, paying Bortles for next year. But, uh, you know, maybe it is kind of evident that he has been holding them back. I, I don't know how to go about this. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh you know, if you're in a really deep super flex league and you are really struggling at quarterback, I guess if you have the roster space, there are worse things to do than pick up Kessler just in case uh, the team decides he's, you know, <laughs> giving them more of what they need. I mean, they still lost today even when, after Kessler came in. So, you know, I mean, maybe it was a little bit too late, but um they face Philly next week, who is a team that uh, kind of, despite, you know, our expectations going into the season, has been pretty easy for other teams to throw on. So um, it's possible could be a bounce back spot for Bortles if they do go back to him and we kind of all forget about this benching. But, you know, I mean, if they're willing to give Kessler some run, maybe he could perform well next week and uh, maybe that'll be the end of Bortles. I don't know. We'll see. All right, well, that'll do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Please remember to rate and review the Road of His Radio channel on iTunes and subscribe to our Patreon. For Hassan Rahim, I'm Blair Andrews. Thank Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Football Report. Please rate and review the Road of His Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at roadofhisradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at roadofhisradio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast.
can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets? Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. No, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. You shouldn't go to Barnes & Noble and buy 10,000 books just so you can build a book fortress and yell out, I am your book leader. You shouldn't buy 147 copies of War and Peace, stuff them inside turkeys, and serve them at Thanksgiving as Terbukens. And you definitely shouldn't buy up all the copies of Dork Diaries, causing the neighborhood kids to stage a protest in your front yard. But you could. Because at the Barnes & Noble Book Hall, you can get over a 1,000 titles for 50% off. Stock up at your local Barnes & Noble. Terbukens are fictitious and should not be cooked at home. Okay, let's say you're on vacation or out running errands and you want to see what's going on at home. Or you're at home and you want to see what your dog's getting up to downstairs. With self-protection from Xfinity, you can keep an eye on things no matter where you are with live and recorded video, all on your terms. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash self-protection. Restrictions apply. Residential customers only. Requires Xfinity Internet and compatible XFi gateway. Professional monitoring not included. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.